Hey everybody and welcome to the kickabout. It's a big, big day, a penultimate day perhaps one would say, at the top of the league between Liverpool and Man City. I'm your host Chris. I'm Fran. I'm Dan. And I'm Pete. That intro's probably going to run over the length of that the was audio. So it was smooth, but I feel like it's going to run over the length of the audio clip that I use at the start of the show. Mm. So... I'll make it work, I'll make it work. Yeah. But welcome everybody to episode number 85 of The Kickabout. As you heard, Pete is among us this week. Hello. Because it was a big, big weekend. The, the championship, all the uh, Football League stuff is all finished. We're now well into the playoffs already. Uh, there's a playoff game going on currently at the moment. The second leg semi-final between Sheffield Wednesday and Sunderland. We've had Wickham already reach, uh, reach, <coughs> reach the playoff final for League One. Um, so yeah, lots of uh, exciting things to talk about in the championship where people will do, as he did last season, talk us about what is going to happen with the teams coming up into the Premier League. So, uh, but before we do that, that will be in the second that. half of the show. No talking while I'm talking, please. Sorry. <laughs> um, we are going to jump into some Premier League action first for the first half of the show. Uh, and we're going to start at the Emirates between Arsenal every and week. Leeds. Every week. You can do a start? Or... Oh, go on, man. Stuff you <laughs> You can do it? No. <laughs> I really should write down the running order more often. <laughs> go on, in, mate. I mean, it's not changed. I've not, it's, unfortunately, this is not working at the moment. It's a West Ham so. one for you as well. Go on, in. Down the stack, man. Jared Bowen has become the first player to notch 10 plus goals and 10 plus assists in a single Premier League season for the club since who? Hmm. You know? I think so. I've got a few guesses. I mean, <coughs> I hope that uh, I can get this one right, but we'll find out later on. Right, you happy now? Yeah, well, I mean, no. But... <laughs> <laughs> I do apologise. Right, we will go to the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal against Leeds United. Um, a big three points for Arsenal, but they didn't have it all their own way in the end after what looked mm. like it was going to be quite a, like a, a comfortable afternoon in the end, mm. didn't it? Um, a genius masterstroke from you, Dan. We'll talk, actually, we'll talk some, um, some fancy Premier League, uh, maybe at the halftime show, at the halftime point. Eddie Nketiah, you brought him into your fantasy league team. Did you know? Did you have a foresight I did, or something? yeah. Um, I had a dream the night before. And... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's when he played, because uh, Arsenal played West Ham last week, and Eddie Nketiah had about six or seven shots mm. on goal, and he was very, very wasteful. And you said well, to me, don't put him in the car, didn't I? You said, oh, I might put him in my team. I was like, nah, mate, not with that sort of conversion rate. And I left him out and you put him in. And this is part of the reason why I'm falling like a stone. But uh, no, I mean, it's another big, big result for Arsenal. I mean, the if we look at the table, which you know, is getting very, very... Uh, it's looking more and more like it's Arsenal's now. There's four points between them with three games to go. Um in the end, I guess the result was more important than performance for Arsenal. Mm. Yeah, I think especially at this stage of the season, it's just getting as far away from Tottenham as possible. They could take it? Chelsea at this rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chelsea have a shit show. Yeah, I mean, dare we, dare we say it, but if um, if Chelsea don't get their act together, I mean, we're gonna we will talk about Chelsea in a minute as well. Anyway, is there a risk that Chelsea could drop out of this top four? Imagine, no. come on, Spurs. Do you think? I mean, it's there's five points in it. It would be unlikely, but Chelsea's four. I mean, if they were to draw their final three games, for example, and Spurs won their one three, all three of them, they would overtake. I can see them being picked by Arsenal, possibly, but I I can't see them dropping out of Champions. Yeah, because they'd go six, seven, eight. Yeah, they've gone to eight points, and Spurs could get nine. So it's. uh, I think it's more more of a reflection on just how poor Chelsea have been recently. Um, I the, think that, that been, this is even a, a conversational topic, frankly. They've just been cruising towards the FA Cup final, haven't they, really? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether there is a because I, I always find that weird. You know, if you're a professional footballer, is it does that really go through your mind? It's once you get out on the pitch, maybe it's in the run up to the game, perhaps it's mm. you know easy to get into that mindset. But once you get out on the pitch and you can hear the crowd singing and the game starts, are those professional players really of that mindset to go? I'm not actually going to try quite as hard because I've got the FA Cup final coming. But I feel like maybe in the back of your mind, you're like, well, we've done the league. Like, there's not much left to play for in the league. I don't want to get injured for the FA Cup final. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be over next weekend. They, they've sort of beached themselves in third mm. place. They've not had anything to play for, have they? No. And no, that, now they're getting to the been... point where, like, we're actually looking over our shoulder now. So. Yeah. They've been miles off second and they were miles ahead in third. So, But a little, but a little bit like Arsenal... Obviously, Arsenal ended up winning the game, but Chelsea looked like they were cruising in this one. Mm. Yeah, there were two goals to the good. Um, Lukaku scoring, I think... The His f- first goal in 2022 for the Premier League. Yeah. As number nine, that is ridiculous. But we'll cross that bridge. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and just going back to Arsenal, they saw it out. It was it was a struggle in the end. Um, I'm assuming there's no complaints here about the red card for Luke Ayling. Uh, a bit soft. <laughs> Yeah. What the guy's I'm leg after he hit him. I was surprised Rafinha didn't get sent off after. He yeah. looked very angry. Yeah, wasn't he? Wasn't he? I mean, I'm not entirely sure what he was <laughs> angry about. Maybe he's maybe. Do you think he's looked at that replay after? No, he's like, yeah, I'm a yeah, all right, fair enough. That was probably. A I'm red surprised card. it was only yellow. I can only assume the ref didn't really see it. Well, I mean, he was literally like polar mm. diagonal running at him because mm. I um, thought when it first happened, maybe it just slipped. Because sometimes you go in, you slip, and you end up with two feet in the air, but then the replays... Eventually, it was yeah, after eventually. VAR got yeah. involved. Yeah. You get a card to start with. Um, but no, I think um, from from an Arsenal perspective, I think Champions League would be a massive, massive achievement for them. I think maybe we've downplayed a little bit just Arsenal's recovery this season. You know, we were championing the possibility. We even put polls out on social media about... Arteta being sacked mm. and they should sack him because he can't you know he's not the manager of them he's not going to help rebuild this team he's made some difficult decisions as we mentioned with people like Ozu and Aubameyang over the past 12 to 18 months or however long it's been and now all of a sudden they've got a little side together that has the real foundation basis for something quite dare I say it special over the last next few years with these mm. young players yeah um, do you? Do, I suppose the question is: that There's still some Arsenal fans out there that think this is Arteta the man to unlock that long term. Do you think? Do you, do you see enough in what he's doing tactically and managerially to think that he's the manager that can do that? I, I oh don't yeah, see the fact that they were a shit show at the start and now they're mm. four. Yeah, I don't yeah. see why not. I think I said it last season. Like he was trying to play a certain way and he just didn't have the players to do it. But he didn't change the way he wanted to play. He just carried on doing it with those players, which is why... He... Guardiola-esque stubbornness. Yeah, which is why he got <laughs> closer and closer to the sap because he wasn't sort of prepared to change his ways. But what he did do was bring in players that could play the way he wanted to play, which is like the goalkeeper. Yeah. Ramsdale can play out from the back. Um, Meslier, you know... he's not so good at that. No, that didn't go very well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, to your point, I think, you know... One of the one of the real criticisms that a lot of Premier League managers get is that when they get when their side gets into a slump, and I use Alan Pardew as a perfect example of this. When when things were up, Pardew was a great manager. When mm. things were going well, he did it at West Ham. He did it. He had a season where I think he finished fourth with Newcastle. I think or got very close to finishing fourth when he had like Demba Barr and um, uh, Papu Cisse. And then as soon as things start to slide and the team goes on a bad run, he cannot arrest a slump, and he's never been able to do that at any mm. club he's been at. And a lot of other Premier League managers fall foul of the same thing. And Bielsa. You know, he couldn't really arrest Leeds' form and he yeah. ended up with a sack. And Arteta has done that. And I think that is a massive, massive thing. If you can actually get a team 
working that is so out of form, so out of nick, mm. and you can get them playing and have a season like they've ended up having. They've won 21 games. Mm. Uh, they've won more than Chelsea have. It's a young team as well. If he can keep all those youngsters together and mm. reinforce the squad in the summer, if he can buy three players or so mm. just to reinforce certain positions, um, and if he can get something out of Nketiah next year, I mean... Do you think he'll stay? Because he's still not signed a contract yet. No, but I mean, the way he's scoring... There's obviously a player there because like they've got the goal he scored in his first goal, you know, to have that sort of poacher's instinct to just chase down the goalkeeper. Yeah, and the second um, goal as well, good positioning, yeah, good movement so in the box. I think there's definitely a striker there. It's just whether I feel like they do need to bring in another striker, one for competition, and two just in case Nketiah doesn't work out. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their strike force at the moment, Lacazette has not really done it as a main striker pretty much since he's been there. Really, you would argue. I feel like he's almost gone the same route as Aubameyang, where he's already out the door yeah doesn't really he's not really that fast yeah um, and then so you're left with just Nketiah <laughs> and Martinelli although I wouldn't say he's a number nine no, I'd say he's more I of a winger know. isn't he yeah um, so yeah they definitely need another striker anyway but I th- yeah I, I think Nketiah is showing all the signs of mm. potentially mm-hmm. being able to lay down a claim for that central don't, striker role don't they have like a written rule where they're not spending over a certain amount a week on players now as well so. It wouldn't surprise me if they're doing that after the debacle with Urzu and Aubameyang and stuff. I know they've got like a... quite difficult to get a recognised Premier League striker. Mm. I know they've got a thing where if a player gets down to the last year of their contract, they sell them. Like they either renew the year before and if they don't renew, then they sell them. It, it was just months ago I heard that they wouldn't pay over like 250k a week for a player or something like I that. I think every club should do that, especially every Premier League club. I think, yeah, yeah. I, frankly, I think it should be a blanket rule mm. that is but put in. They brought in a lot of young players. It wasn't in, in Kessels from... He was on loan at Leeds, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, he came through the academy. Yeah, yeah. I can't um, see him getting rid of a player like that. Well, I mean, it depends what Enketia wants because it, it might be more Enketia. I would be surprised if Arsenal haven't at least attempted to put a contract in front right of him and give him yeah. the form he's in now. A lot of clubs will start sniffing around him, especially the likes of I don't know, like a Leicester or Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Or West Ham like been linked with him. Well, linked with him and four hundred four hundred other strikers in January. <laughs> but, yeah, I so saw you're linked with that Diaz from Blackburn as well. Berrett oh, Barrett and Diaz, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure your pens just don't work in the West Ham office. <laughs> oh, what? Sign you, your pens just don't work. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. It's like the old uh, United De Gea with a photocopy. <laughs> mm. <and> <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, we dog ate it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but no, I think Arsenal have got a real chance of, of something good there. I mean, as you say, in years gone by when, when Arsenal have really struggled, I mean, they finished the last two seasons in eighth place. And there's always been a case of that you look at that team, you think that defence just needs a complete rework. They need more midfielders. They need better strikers, less so, because they were, in the, in the few mm-hmm. times they have spent money, it tends to be in, in attacking areas. Nicolas Pepe, Aubameyang, Ozil, you know, they have spent big money on certain players, but they've never spent it elsewhere. Now, though, they've finally got a defence that looks reasonably solid. I think they've only conceded two goals from set plays all season, um, which was a big weakness of Arsenal's in previous times. So they've got that kind of spine of the team now set. If they can add in... Another central midfielder, because I still don't think Xhaka and Elneny are it long-term. Mm. Um, they can do a job, and Elneny, in fairness to him, has looked better in recent weeks. But if they can add that, add another striker or two in, I think, yeah, they, they don't need as much as they needed no. in the previous season. That's all because of these youngsters coming through. They just need to, next season, they just need to stabilise, obviously reinforce and 
aim for top four again yeah. and then you know start to look upwards rather than downwards but to your point Pete you said about that they might find it difficult to attract a big name striker if they've got some form of wage cap in I mean 250k a week I would hope would get you still a good striker mm-hmm. but obviously Champions League football would be massive Absolutely. for that draw in you know and all of a sudden their potential <coughs> players they could bring in has just got a lot bigger I don't think you need to go for like a an Erling Haaland or someone like that that I think clubs need to think outside the box like Leicester often do Yeah, because I've never really heard of Martinelli before he joined Arsenal and he no. looks like a really good player and I think Arsenal, I think it would be what Arteta is trying to create with this team I think it would actually be a bad decision if they went down the route of trying to get some big name mm. striker because it clearly hasn't worked in players in the past why do it, yeah. do it again go and get a younger player who's really hungry for success and you know try and, try and build him up in the same way he's built he's like Sammy out of Odegaard yeah, as I mean, was passed from club to club. Yeah, I mean, I remember back years ago when Odegaard was like fourteen or fifteen, around Madrid mm-hmm. signed him. He was meant to be the next big wonder kid. Mm-hmm. Not really worked out for him, but no. he seems to have really found a place that you know he can now express himself, mm-hmm. and he's looking really, really good. So uh, on the flip side, let's talk about Leeds. Um, obviously, it wasn't helped by very poor piecing <coughs> goalkeeping by Mesley at the start, and then of course the red cards. Um, how things have changed. I mean, we're not actually going to talk about. Um, the other two contenders in the first half of the show tonight, Burnley and Everton, but the way the results have suddenly gone, we talked last week, We, me and you thought that Everton mm. were the favourites to go because we, we weren't sure about their ability to raise themselves for other games. They'd go and beat Leicester, mm-hmm. who are obviously in, in a bit of all out of sorts themselves. Um, and now all of a sudden it's Leeds staring down the barrel. Um, Everton still have a game in hand. If they were to suddenly pick up a win from that, then they go uh, four points clear of the drop. Um, you know, Leeds... They had a little bit of good form for a little while under March when he came in. They did get a little bit of a new manager bounce. Mm. I think that might have gone away a little bit now, though. Do you, are you are you worried for them now? Um, problem is, I'll be like, oh, I can see them going down, and then next week it will change again. <laughs> so I can't call it to be honest. Yeah, Leeds don't seem to have any fight in it. He, usually, if you're down there, you're going to be down badge you want to come out all guns blazing like Burnley, like Everton have done. Well, Luke Ayling did. I, they're just happy to be there. <laughs> oh, yeah, Luke Ayling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, like a bit too seriously. With the, <laughs> the managers who's just come in, it's almost like he's just, he's just happy to be there. Yeah, I mean, he's he's taken a... Huh? No. Are you taking the piss out of me? No. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah when, when Jesse March came in, I mean, he uh, he got copped a bit of flack just because he's American and the, the sort of stereotyping. Mm. Of, I think everyone just assumes that every American, American manager coming in is going to be... Um, what's his Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, mm. yeah. They just assume that that's going to be that sort of character. Um, but he seems to have got a little bit of a tune out of the play. He certainly did in the first few games, but... Um, yeah, they were they were poor in that first half and they gave themselves such a mountain. You can't give away goals like that against mm. a team like Arsenal. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Just a quick note on Burnley. Uh, I know you've seen it, I think, because I think it was you that messaged me. Uh, did anyone else see the um, bit of information about Maxwell Cornet this week? I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, so for those of you that haven't, so Maxwell Cornet, this is the man who, when he, um, when he uh, was purchased by Burnley at the start of the season, uh, pointed to the Umbro badge on his shirt rather than the club badge. Um, so apparently he's you know I'd say he's probably been their best player this season you would think you know I don't know if there's been too many others in that Burnley team that have made an impact as him he apparently went up to the manager uh, Mr Jackson is it Mike Jackson Mm, Um, and said um, I would like to uh, return to my parent club and the manager was like but you're not on loan we bought you (laughs) how do players not know (laughs) 
I don't understand. Surely he's seen all the headlines with like the fee and everything. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, surely his agent would have informed him. You know, you're signing like a twenty million pound loan. I mean, I don't maybe, know. Do you sign a contract when you when it's a loan? Would a player sign? Maybe the contract? there's a release clause to go back to his other club. <coughs> maybe and relegated. Mm. Yeah, maybe so. Um, but yeah, it did it did make me giggle that just imagine the player walking in and saying, "Yes, Gaffer, I'd like to uh, I'd like to go back to my parent club, please." And the manager just looks at him completely confused and like, uh, no. It'd be awkward after that. It'd be it? very awkward, yeah. What are we talking about now? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, just very quickly, I suppose, if we're talking about these these guys down here, Everton, um, in the same way we, we criticised Arteta at the start of the season for not being able to arrest a slump, do we now have to give a little bit of credit for Lampard for finding two, you know, some results out of nowhere? They've beaten Chelsea, um, they won again at the weekends. You know, all of a sudden, he might just dig them out of this. No. Yeah, I'm a bit like, the team's way too good to be giving them credit for not getting relegated. And equally, they're probably only trying now just to get relegated. As the season was going for another, like, eight, ten weeks. I wouldn't congratulate United if they snuck into fifth place. (laughs) Absolutely fucking not. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I wonder what's... The, what the the fans really and the, maybe the hierarchy as well think of Frank Lampard you know if he keeps them up great because they're still in the Premier League which is financially massive to them mm. as we talked about with Will in the past um, the summer's going to be huge for them uh, you know what's to stop them having another poor season next year is Lampard the man to turn it around in the summer I, I really don't that's know that's going to be a lot of scrutiny if, on them spending if they money. get their points deduction as well for breaching financial fair play yeah and they and for that reason alone they may not be able to spend too much money transfer so embargo might, again exactly. with Lampard oh, yeah he loves Every, it actually no, he might he do goes. well then he might do well everywhere he goes Chelsea he had a transfer bargain uh Derby he, got he, one did, he didn't have it at Derby, but he's caused rubbish there. <laughs> Everywhere he goes. Well, let's hope he doesn't turn up at West Ham then. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think the summer is going to be massive for them. I think if they if they don't if they're not in a position to be able to spend, and he has to effectively work with what he's got. Bearing in mind he's going to lose Van der Beek back to United. Um, oh yeah. He, I don't know. I'm assuming. <laughs> I forgot he even existed. Well, I think he's been injured, isn't he, for a little while? But um, does transfer embargoes affect loans, or is it only buying and free transfer? Could they get a free transfer? It, or it, loan? it depends how yeah, they how they I think word it. Depends it. how serious it is because I don't think Chelsea were allowed to loan anyone in. Whereas, like in in the situation with Derby, they're allowed to loan players in mm. a certain amount of players as long as it was <coughs> under a one point five k budget, that sort of stuff. Right. Okay. Everton um, probably won't get away with that. <laughs> no, no, we're not. Would not you join us rate... for one thousand five hundred? might. Yeah, who knows? Um, so yeah. Um, right. Let's move on. Then we're going to talk about the other uh, team chasing top four uh, and also we'll see the team that um, is chasing the title Liverpool against Tottenham uh, now apparently breaking news apparently there's a new rule that's come in apparently every club now has to ring up <laughs> Jurgen Klopp before the game and find out how he wants them to play against them because he was not a happy bunny after this game was he? No I mean I, it's, it's funny because we watch, I watched the highlights of this game not long before we did the podcast and because of the, the interview with, with Klopp which I did see bits of it really made me think that the highlights I was going to watch were just going to be pure Liverpool and no, nothing from the Spurs. But actually, the, the highlights, I don't know if anyone watched like the full 90 minutes or anything, but the highlights made it look to me like this was quite an even game. Like, the Spurs seemed to give it a go, regardless of whether they were playing on the counter or not. Mm. They had plenty of good chances. I mean, they could have won it at the end. So uh, is Klopp talking shit here? What, what's, what's going on here? Um, yeah, I think because they've obviously dropped points now, I think he potentially knows. It's funny because... Obviously, all this talk about the quadruple and Liverpool could just finish with the Carabao Cup. Yeah, it is literally. <laughs> Wasn't there a um, there was another situation with another team, maybe City, <clears throat> a few years ago, where they were in a position where they had like four games to define their season. Mm. They lost three of them. 
or something along those lines. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, because it was, yeah, it was, it was FA Cup, Champions, Champions League. League. Yeah, yeah, that was it. So, yeah, I, I, when I watched that interview with Klopp, I did get the feeling like there was a lot of frustration because maybe he knew the implications mm-hmm. of that result. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, desperately trying to rein it in, but at the same time he couldn't help himself just coming up with some shit to try and make an excuse. He was obviously very upset. So maybe I'll give him a little bit of a pass on this one, even though he has talked a load of rubbish and he's obviously a bad loser. Um, Interesting Guardiola's take on, like, the game as well. I didn't see that. What did he say? He came out and said that every neutral football fan is a Liverpool fan. I was like, yeah. Is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, am I? I'm not sure I am. He's, he's definitely the, not. The, the journalists inside were, were asking questions and he was like, you're a Liverpool fan. He was like, no, you're not a fan. And he was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, do you know what's funny? I did see some stuff around social media about how everybody in the media is a Liverpool fan. Or maybe it yeah. must be off he's, the back of those comments then. He's, they, were, they were trying to say, or he was trying to insinuate that no one wants City to win anything. What, uh, because of the money? I'm no, I think it's just because they got knocked out <laughs> by Real Madrid. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, that, that was more from the circumstances, the fact that City looked like they'd won the game. I mean, you you know, you scored five goals against Real Madrid across two legs and still lost. Mm. I mean, that's more. that's got to be more about your failings as a team rather than, any, than anything else. It's got nothing to do with which team you want to win. Um, but obviously this result does have major implications now. You know, there's now, mm. you know, a little bit of a gap now where there wasn't before. Um, if we look at the table now, there was actually a situation I saw, I, can't, I think you might have been you that sent to me, down about where there was a real chance that um, if results went a certain way, you could end up with a playoff match because they would almost be tied across every single um, sort of denominator. Whenever somebody, if you're tied on points, it goes to goal difference. If yeah, it's goal yeah. difference, it goes to wins or whatever the, the, the go down the list is. Head, doesn't it? Whoever... Yeah, who, who, whatever the previous head. results were, head to head. Right. Okay. Whoever, even if it was a draw, whoever scored more goals at home would then win. Right. Okay. That's the way it works. So imagine <laughs> losing a thirty-eight game season yeah, yeah. because you, you lost one nil at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or because you only drew one or yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 quite fitting for a ten-year anniversary after the Guerrero as well, isn't it? <laughs> um, so yeah, so we've now got a three-point gap. So now Liverpool, and we've also got a four-goal swing in the goal difference there, which is also key. Yeah. Um, Liverpool now need Man City to lose. And who are Man City playing next? West Ham. West Ham. <laughs> it's written in the stars. Fucking just let them win. Just let them win. <laughs> City didn't let the pressure get to them, did they? Absolutely smashed Newcastle. No, I think Newcastle maybe uh, picked the wrong time to play City, didn't they? You after guys aren't fighting for anything now, so just let them win. How dare you? We're fighting for the Europa Conference League. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the, the, game, the game itself, I mean, um, I think yeah. if you before the game frame, if I had said you would draw with Liverpool, would you have taken that? Yeah. I mean, I have no confidence in them whatsoever, so I was like, well, they're going to get smashed, aren't they? I think, I mean, the, the chance at the end, Hoiberg's chance, uh, where I, for the life of me, I can't work out why he's trying to put that back mm, across the cane. Somewhat zoned out when it, drew, when it came a draw. <laughs> I was like, here we go. <laughs> Stop caring. So... Uh, for, for Tottenham, um, it's looking uphill. Four, four points in, as we said. Um, again, is fifth place a good result for Spurs, if that, if that's where they end up? Or do you think that's going to be not, a disappointment? Not Spurs. It's, it, I think it's a good result for them this season mm-hmm. because they've been so fucking up and down. But actual Spurs, no. Like, if, City man- if United managed to finish sixth, that's actually kind of good for them this season because they are horrendous. <laughs> but for Man City, in- and Man United, sorry, in general, that's horrendous. Yeah. But in context of the season, I think fifth is good for Spurs and <laughs> sixth is good for United. But in the context of 
how good those teams should be and yeah. have been in previous years and how much money's been pumped into them. It's a shit show for both of them. Mm. Very eloquently put. Mm. Very well. good. Um, so in terms of the summer then, uh, the rumours about Conte leaving seem to have died down this week. I haven't heard anything about it. Um, do we see Spurs having a bit of a flurry in the in the transfer market? Do we think they're going to go in? I mean, I don't know who they would buy. Maybe another centre-back, maybe? Ericsson. I still think that's going to happen. Genuinely, I do. Um, one way or another, he's not going to be at Brentford next year. Sorry, Brentford fans, but I just don't see it. I don't see him mm. signing beyond the six-month contract that he's already got. Unless the rumours about the number of clubs interested in him is, is false and his his options are very little, then maybe he will stay for a year or something. Tottenham definitely need another centre-back, I think. I think Kulisewski coming in has been banging. Yeah, they need to be He's, brilliant. Brilliant. he's low, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. They definitely they need to make need that to permanent. Um, I don't think it would be that much either because he was out of favour at mm. Juve, wasn't he? Yeah, he's been banging for them, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think you're right. I mean, again, similar to Arsenal, I guess. You know, you look at the way Spurs started the season with the whole Harry Kane thing. They've been through three, two managers this season because mm-hmm. um, Nuno was appointed. But when did Mourinho get sacked? Mourinho got season. sacked the day Nuno before the started, final, didn't yeah. he? That's Nuno right. Started. Yes. So Nuno started um, basically in the summer, didn't they? Because Ryan Mason mm-hmm. kept them until the end of the year, if I remember rightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they've had two managers. They've had a striker that has spent the first half of the season not wanting to be there. Um, there's been a lot of negativity around the club so actually as you say in the context of the season actually fifth I think is a fantastic result for Spurs mm. um, just an aside now did you hear about Mourinho's comments when he got through to the final of Roma said he was going to get sacked Mourinho said he was going to yeah. get sacked by Roma why? because Mason was going to come in oh I see <laughs> love that little dig at Spurs love that um, right let's move on we're going to talk now quickly about Chelsea um, now We'll, whether this won't be the last game we talk about before the halftime break but um, Will I'm sure is going to have some news for us on the situation with Chelsea we had the late bid we had obviously all the Abramovich news last week where it looked like for, for some reason he was going to block the sale and that turned out to be false did you see um, their new owner when Chelsea had that goal ruled out yeah. No, it was. Oh, was oh, was this the picture I saw of him when he was like yeah, up like, in arms? Yeah, like doesn't like, doesn't sort of <laughs> understand what's going on. No idea what like yeah. VAR and offside. Yeah. Was. Welcome to the Premier League with VAR, mate. Sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I I just can't work Chelsea out because one minute they look dominant, they control the game, and then they just completely go to sleep. Ninety mm. seventh um, minute, Conor Cody equalizes. Um, that's a real problem for Chelsea at the moment. I mean, you know, if this if they finish the season really limp, if they don't win the FA Cup. Uh, next this weekend um, third place potentially maybe even fourth if Arsenal and or Spurs over, overhaul mm. them this could turn actually to be a quite a poor season for them apparently um, Tuchel had a bust up with Alonso at half time as well that's really why he came off yeah. what was that about was Tuchel not happy with his performance or I don't know I wasn't there mate. <laughs> well I thought you might have some more <laughs> no, context in the news just, uh, they just said there was a bust up and now um, that Saul or whatever his name is could end up playing like left wing back in the uh final yeah, he's, that, yeah. he's had a very uh, mm. interesting time at Chelsea isn't he played two games was utter dog shit has barely played since mm. I didn't um, realise Lukaku had been so shit this year yeah. he's been very he's, he's been not really nine, played not actually well, to be honest no, is he but that's because he's been shit that Tuchel hasn't has any faith in him to play him um, but on the Lukaku front Tuchel has said that he wants to stick with Lukaku so we asked last week about what mm. Chelsea do with Lukaku whether they look to keep him or not were, Tuchel has said he wants to keep him there were talks about him going over to um Back over to Italy. Well, back to into Milan. Over the last over the last two days or so. Okay, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there's interest there because they'll they will probably uh, 
Italy, Italy will probably see an opportunity there to do a deal. If they've sold him for 90 million, they can buy him back for 65. There's probably a way and they can write off mm. some of the debt or whatever. Mm. Then it's possible. Um, I think what I said about Arsenal and Tottenham in context of their, well, actually Tottenham United, fifth and sixth, quite good. Chelsea, I don't know. So I feel like Chelsea... Chelsea should have pushed for the league this year. Yeah. Mm. I think well, everyone, top, everybody was expecting them at to. At the start, to be it was very tw- much To be 20 them. points off City. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. Third is all right for them, but I think third closer. They were always Absolute. going to be third. Yeah. But <laughs> I think third closer to... Yeah, I think we're, we're all expecting them to be within, within five, 10 five, points. Five or six points, I'd say, maybe so. Yeah. 20 points. That's not good enough. No. no. As you say, I think at the start of the season when they bought Lukaku, Lukaku... To everybody, including us here, we thought it was the final piece in the puzzle for Chelsea. Yeah. Because um, they mm. finished the season so well the season before with the Champions League and the FA Cup. And they haven't um, even been like drastically, like Arsenal and Tottenham have very much been up and down all the way. I don't even feel like Chelsea have been that. They've just been like patchy. very mediocre. Yeah, patchy. But, but with Chelsea as well, it's with uh, Spurs and Arsenal certainly at the start of the season, they were poor for entire games, maybe yeah, even weeks yeah. and weeks. Whereas Chelsea seem to just be poor in patches of games yeah. and it keeps costing them points. It's been very mediocre. Um, well, yeah, look at their last six games. Yeah, I mean, they're. Two they're, wins, two losses, two draws. Yeah, I mean, that kind of sums up Chelsea to, yeah, to, yeah. to a T, doesn't it? Um, is there a situation where Tuchel, obviously, new management coming in, do we think he's still going to be there next year? There's been some talk I've seen around of. Potentially, um, really. him going and another manager. I hope he in. stays. I'd be surprised I if think he wasn't. Uh, mm. I don't think he's done such a bad job that he wouldn't be given some time to, to rectify well, the FA Cup final. Still, yeah, and the, I mean, they are. Well, okay, here's a, <laughs> in which case, then, if they lose the FA Cup final and end up coming fourth, what then? I can't see him leaving. Still no. not? Still no. no. What if Arsenal and Spurs <laughs> overtake him? <laughs> I'd be amazed. <laughs> Maybe then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was an annoying result actually because I saw two 0 Chelsea and I was thinking yes, that's the sort of result West Ham want. Get them out of the way. Hopefully we'll beat Norwich, which we did, and then that'll put us uh, six points in front of them, and that'll be basically game over. Especially as Wolves have got uh, Liverpool and City, I think, mm. to play before the end of the season. So I, I didn't see them getting seven points from their final three games and us losing the remaining three. So um, yeah, hopefully that's now sorted. Um, but yeah, Wolves have had a, I mean, 35 goals scored. They've averaged exactly one a game. Um, still eighth place, though. It's not a bad season for Wolves, is it? No. I mean, they did start really slowly. Um, they've, they were very poor, weren't they? Yeah. But we said last week about certain players with them, like Pedro Neto, Trincao, Podence, who have not really turned up. But Trincao showed at the weekend in patches in that game why Wolves... Wolves fans probably and the rest of us are so confused as to mm. why they haven't scored more goals because they've got some individually some really talented players mm. um, do you think Traore goes back there in the summer do you think they'll integrate him back in him. do you reckon I could, I could see Barca buying him I'll be honest I haven't really kept track of how much he's, he's been playing, playing for them he's, he's the sort, sort of player they probably need as a squad player I could see them pinching him yeah do you think I mean I don't know I, I, as I say I've not really seen how much he's been playing he's selling not. the fiber walls yeah, I mean, I don't think if I yeah if I was Wolves, unless they're going to pay like five to ten million for a loan fee or something like that, where you can get they get mm-hmm. off your books, then maybe. But um, I don't. I feel like Wolves have lost a little bit of something now that Troy has gone. I appreciate that Troy's end product was poor, but he just gave them that different dimension, didn't mm-hmm. he, to go forward, and they've just not got anybody like that yeah. um, in their team. So yeah, interesting season for Wolves, but I think they'll be ultimately quite disappointed. They've lost four of their last six. Mm. West Ham and United have been so so poor for like the last two months. 
and, and beyond. I think Wolves could easily be in that Europa League spot if yeah. they just sorted their format a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, right, uh, we are going to close the first half of the show um, with Brighton against Man United. Dan, <laughs> um, right. so last last week you... Uh, what I, you... Thought, I thought it was uh, on the break. No, you're not getting away. You're not getting away with it that easy, mate. Last week you didn't have to talk about United because they were on Monday. Ironically, the one time we don't talk about them was the time they put in a good shift mm. and got a three or four nil win or whatever it was against Brentford. Um, however, uh, that was last Monday. This was the weekend. Um, possibly the worst performance of the season, would you say? Up there with a few others. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, <clears throat> I saw the the final three guys. I didn't see the first one. Um, but from what I saw in the game, it yeah. looked like very much standard United, really huffed and puffed, no quality at all, mm. um, and really, really poor defensively. Um, it's Harry, Harry Maguire thinking, see, fuckers, I wasn't the problem after all. <laughs> Sat on the bench, coming on. I think it was massive from uh, Ranić to bring on Maguire on the 70th minute when they're forward down. He's just exactly the sort of player you need to bring on in that circumstance. That shows how poor we were, that we literally had to bolster the defence. <laughs> he was worried he was worried it was going to get yeah. more embarrassing. Um, but I have to say that the final two goals in particular really summed up the performance for me because I think it was Gross's one. I've never seen an easier goal scored in the Premier League. Mm. It was just... Every single pass was made with ease. The the players were under no pressure, and Gross just kind of walked past Varane and put it in the. In the it was a good finish, mm. but it was made so easy for him. Um, and I've been seeing a few things on social media this week about Ollie and his time and how much of an impact he's had on the current state of affairs. But how much of this is down to Ranić? Because uh, there was a lot of talk when he came in about his style and what he could do mm. for this club. And I would argue that it, things have got way worse under Ranieri. To be fair, I think he's been thrown to the sharks, to be honest. Like, <clears throat> I feel like he was made certain promises and then he came in. He's said, he's so blunt in his press conference, he yeah. doesn't give a fuck about what no, the players I, I do like that. Yeah, that he literally well. just says, like, I wanted to buy a striker and I was told, no, I can't. I wanted to sell Lingard, I was told, no, I can't. And he just yeah. says it. Like, any other manager would be like, the board support me, I'm <laughs> like this, that, and the other. And that's what Ollie did. It's like amazing they're still going to keep him on as a, as a consultant. But yeah, was he a sporting director or something? Isn't he? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Only like six hours a week, and then he's going to be the Denmark manager. Austria, yeah. Uh, Austria manager, sorry. Yeah, I, don't, I think that... Um, I do feel for Ranier because it, it is quite obviously so toxic at the club, all around him, and Ranier just looks like the sort of manager that's just like... I don't know what to fucking do. Mm. Like, what, what, what can a manager do? Does Ten Hag really understand what he's fucking walking into? He's assistant, or was it Volley or whatever? From the Netherlands, he's not coming to be the assistant manager. What, because he doesn't want to? Yeah, he wants to. He wants to stay in the Netherlands for his family. Okay, interesting. So he's gonna have to have find uh, someone else. Someone else to come well, in that can mix it with, up. Uh, Steve McLaren. <coughs> Steve That's McLaren. Isn't there? Yeah, and he and speaks. He um... speaks the Dutch lingo as well. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rene Millenstein as well. He was. He worked <laughs> under Fergie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we know how big the summer is going to be uh, for, for United when Ten, Ten Hag comes in. Um, I wanted to touch very quickly on a little mini argument that broke out in our WhatsApp chat this week, about as close to an argument as we ever get, um, <laughs> was the images, I think, when it went 3-0 down, when the camera panned to Ronaldo and he was in the middle of the pitch effectively laughing in disbelief at his own players. Now, we sort of disagreed to a point as to whether this was acceptable or not acceptable, um, so Dan, why don't you tell us your viewpoint on this? If you, you know, I think we're all I think we're all agreed that we understand why because it was embarrassing. But I guess is it the right thing to do to be that visibly 
both shocked, amused, in disbelief at your own team. I'd have probably done the same. Yeah. Thank you. That <coughs> would be on my Thanks, <laughs> God. Yeah, if I was one of the greatest players of all time and I played with the likes of Roy Keane, Paul Scalzi United, I came back in a dream move, was told that we were going to be fighting for the Premier League title this season. We gave up in November. The board gave up in November. Brought in a manager that was clearly not going to be carrying on. All the players gave up by December. And then we've got the likes of Harry Maguire thinking he's the best centre-back in the world and telling the media that he should be in this team, that team and every team, <laughs> while conceding four goals to Watford, etc. Um, and then we're getting smashed by a team like, no offence Brian, they're not a bad team, but you're getting smashed by a team like Brian who haven't won a game at home. I'd turn around and I'd, I'd be on the floor laughing. I'd be belly laughing because it's embarrassing. <laughs> Love that passion from you, Dan. Um I mean, I don't disagree with that at all. My only, my only thing, I think you were the same, Fran, was that, you know, there are some younger players in that team. There are some. Do you think it's a dick experience. move? Like he's an asshole. <laughs> like you're a dick. Don't do that. Just you're, it's a team. Support I, your team. Keep going. I don't care how fucking good you are, because you're not. You're playing at fucking United and they're shit. Even you can't pull them out of this. So you're not that good, are you? I just, for me, it was more just, you know, if I was a younger player in that team. And even even actually some of the older players, even if they're not the you know the superstar players of, of United, if you know, who, who can I use as an example? Maybe someone like Fred or Mc Sideways. Um, <laughs> any one of those players must look up to Ronaldo in some way, shape, or fashion. Whether it's in yes, awe of his in awe of his ability, whether it's in awe of his his what he's what he's achieved in the game. And in some in, in those moments where things are really going bad, people do look to the leaders. Now we know Maguire is not a leader. We know Maguire would not dig a team out. You know he wouldn't do a, a damn thing. But Ronaldo is the sort of player. You know we touched on it when uh, Fernandez missed that penalty against it was it Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. When you missed that penalty, the only player that went over to Fernandez to get him going again was Ronaldo, mm. and it's that sort of leadership quality that he brings. So I was just quite surprised when I saw Ronaldo laughing at his own team. But, and again, I don't disagree with what you said because he mm. must be in utter disbelief that his career has gone from Real Madrid, Juventus, and all these <coughs> other players, and United before that, to now back to United. Even and this season, know what, what team is joining there? Even this season, like season? what annoys me is the media and certain fans from both well, you know, United and other clubs, have just constantly said Ronaldo's the problem. This wouldn't have happened if we hadn't got Ronaldo. He single-handedly got us through the mm -hmm. Champions League group stage. Yeah. Like, every single game he was rescuing us. And then he's just behind Salah and Son. He's got 24 a, goals this season in competition. A stat. Without Ronaldo, they'd be 17th. Yeah. Really? That's pretty much wow. what I was going to say. Like, imagine where we would be without Cristiano Obviously, Ronaldo. you'd have another striker in place then. Yeah, of course. It's not just similar. And, and he's just staring at this team thinking, 100%. I literally cannot do any more yeah. to get this team But there is professionalism and that was not yeah, right. yeah, but I think So he slapped the phone out of a kid's hand out of frustration. That's a dickhead. He's gone through the tunnel and upped everyone ready for the game meanwhile Maguire's there just fiddling with his bollocks mm. <laughs> like he's you know he, he's a leader he is Ronaldo but at the same time you come to a team like Man United but, you know I, I fully agree with Danny if if I was there coming against like we are with Man United I don't care whether you're living in the past 10 years where your trophies were but you don't lose 4-0 to Brighton yeah, but and did it, he not look at the the United team yeah, but, he was joining in the summer? But you, they yeah, but United shit. finished but you put in a performance. You put in a performance against shit. Brentford, which was a solid performance. But Brentford are no slouches. Mm. No. They they were unbeaten in the past what six or seven games. <laughs> you thump them over three 0 at your ground. You come to Brighton, fucking glorified pigeons, and you end up losing four <laughs> 0 I've had my rant on it. There were there was 
the the Man United side from Monday to the Man United Man United side, whenever this yes. was on on the Saturday or the Sunday, the Saturday was completely different. There yeah. was there was there was no high press. This Gagan press was completely gone. I mean, I haven't they, seen it all season. They sat really. eleven players back from behind the ball. It was just hoofball to mm. Ronaldo. What's he going to do there? Mm. I feel like Roy Keane right now, but like. It, <laughs> I, no, I, I don't blame Ronaldo. I, I really don't. And if if he was to pick up his boots and bugger off, fine. Mm. Please go. I yeah, think I, I wouldn't blame him if he left at the but end. So, but supposedly players... he has said, if on the assumption that he is in Ten Hag's plans, he will stay next season. But how, how many players in that squad right now just want to go and give up? Go because you see it in Sunday League. Mm. You know, you have a terrible performance. You're not oh, come on, go, I'm gone. The problem yeah. is, I feel like the only players that actually want to be there and really want to try. Are the likes of like McTominay, etc., and they're fucking shit. Yeah. Like our most passionate players are some of our worst players. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess if you, even if you've got some of those poorer players in your team, I mean they're still decent in inverted commas players. They're not they're not top four uh, club players by any means. Mm. But if you've got players around you of the quality of Fernandez, Sancho, Ronaldo, Cavani. You know, you've got some unbelievably talented players around them. Mm. And it's those players that are making those guys look even worse. I mean, Fernandez, I think, has got away with it massively this year because he's yeah, been yeah, fucking was... awful this but year. But the problem is, even our bench, like, none of our bench... Yeah, but Ronaldo's been the scapegoat. I, th- I still think, I mean, to Dan's point, I mean, if, if fans honestly think that Ronaldo is the sole problem, then they need a fucking tap because he's clearly not. I still, not. I still truly believe that Ronaldo upset the apple cart because I think the tactics had to switch when he came in. So that definitely wouldn't have helped, but he is not the, he is not the reason for the situation. Well, I think found under Oli, it was such an easy ride. Everyone was best mates. Like It didn't matter what the football was like because everyone got on and everyone loved each other. Ranić came in, Ronaldo came in, and that will change because Ronaldo wants to win. He's, he doesn't want to lose 4-0 to Brighton. Man United have conceded four or more goals, I think, six times this year mm. now. And, and you know you've got, you've got a manager there, which you know is he's not going to be there next season. There doesn't seem to be any unity in that no. team either. But, and I'd I'd have thought now that Ten Hag's been announced, players would be like, right, the manager's what? Because he's going to be watching. Yeah. Well, apparently, he wants to have Zoom calls with the ball. Yeah. Isn't he? But I thought the players would kick on and be like, right, I want to be in the team. But I was about to say like about the bench, like there's no one that he can bring on and be like, right, if you want to be in this squad, Hannibal when he came on against was it Liverpool? Yeah. You know, he was the only one within five yeah. minutes that actually put on. Had like a, any that wanted to be yeah. in the squad. Like, Rashford comes on and just sulks and, like, as if he's not started. You've been shit, mate, all season. Um, who else was I going to say? Like, obviously, Phil Jones moaned that he got well, taken off half the, the other week. Now, so. He's played about three games yeah. in about four years. Yeah, exactly. It's just stuff. And Lingard comes on and sulks and... It's just no one appears like they want to be there. And they're all on like 200 grand a week. And you I, can't put some effort in. I don't understand why they don't understand why they're playing at Manchester United. Mm. But this is the issue that Arsenal had as well, though. They had a lot of, like, Ozil, for example, mm. Lacazette, a lot of these players on high wages thinking that they... They don't need to. But you got rid of them. And you're bringing in young foundations. And, you know, they've not had the best of seasons, but they've definitely not had the worst. No. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, Ten Hag, you know, even if it means taking an extra an extra year to to get United even remotely close to where they used to be, Ten Hag has got to strip out so many of these players, rebuild the entire working ethos of that club and get rid of so many of those players who 
have it so ingrained in their mind as to what it's like around the ground. You know, do, you, sort of... do you honestly see the fan base as one of them? Because they've been told here that Tenelg, he wants five years to rebuild that squad. Are you really going to have the We patience? get told that every yeah. single manager that we exactly. have. Mm. But yeah, to, to Pete's point, do you think that... <laughs> I mean, I suppose ultimately, if the, if the fans stat. see um, progress... Do you think they would be a little bit more? Maybe this is a question for Dan. If the fancy progress, if Ten Hag is correct and he thinks it's going to take four or five years, if the fancy actual progress, will they be happy to spend four or five years in the doldrums, not winning anything, not getting close to winning any trophies, if they see progress? It depends if we see progress. We always see progress in year one because there's always that bounce. And, yeah. and then year two, it starts to, the ship gets a bit shaky. And then year three, the manager's gone. I don't know of a manager that's lasted longer than three years since Fergie went. Mm. But, like, I found this stat. It says United have conceded four-plus goals in 12 Premier League games since Sir Alex Ferguson retired as many times as they did in 810 Premier League games under Ferguson. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, Arsenal obviously suffered a similar fate with um, with Wenger moving on. Where but, you, had a, but you were dominant under the, the Ferguson era as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it is a sharper drop-off. But, um, yeah. Interesting point. So, um, right, we need to um, to cut that one now. I'm sure there'll be more May Night Chat before the season is out. Um, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got the segment from Will, and then we'll get into the chat with Pete with the championship stuff. See you in a minute. Everybody and welcome back to the show. So as always, we're going to jump straight into the segment from Will on the Rugby Blind side. Hello, everybody. I've got two news stories this week, and the first comes out of Chelsea Football Club, where they have confirmed that terms have been agreed for a new ownership group led by Todd Bowley, Clear Lake Capital, Mark Walter, and Hans-Jörg Viss to acquire the club. So of the total investment being made, £2.5 billion will be applied to purchase the shares in the club and such proceeds will be deposited into a frozen UK bank account with the intention to donate 100% of this to charitable causes as confirmed by Roman Abramovich. So UK government approval will be required for the proceeds to be transferred from the frozen UK bank account but this should happen in the process. Um, in addition, uh, the proposed new owners will commit uh, a massive $1.75 billion in further investment for the benefit of the club. Uh, they've said this will include investments in Stamford Bridge, the academy, the women's team and King's Meadow and continued funding for the Chelsea Foundation. From what we've seen at the moment, the sale is expected to be completed in late May, subject to all necessary regulatory approvals um, and more details I'm sure will come out over the next couple of weeks. On the other side of the coin, we heard news last week from Burnley um, regarding some fairly major financial impl implications if the club were to be relegated down to the championship. So when but uh, Burnley was taken over by ALK Capital back in 2020, I think it was the December, the new owners um, 
in purchasing the club took out a £65 million loan against the club. Um, and in the terms of this contract, it has said that if Burnley were to be relegated, the full portion of this loan would be need to be repaid immediately. So this is just some worrying news facing the club. I'm sure if they were to get relegated, the new owners would be able to pay this loan back in regards to maybe some player sales or using some of the parachute payments. But um, from all the club's finances across the Premier League, we've always thought Burnley's was fairly well run. But with these new owners coming in back in 2020, it looks as though they've taken a fairly well-run club into a debt ridden club where they owe a lot of money which was never the case before so not only do they face relegation from the premier league but they also face a bit of financial chaos as well but that's all for me this week and i'll be back next week with some more business news in football Thank you very much for that, Will. Um, some worrying news there about Burnley. I must admit, I had no idea that they had that financial um, situation looming over their head. Um, obviously, we've heard a lot about Everton and the implications of them being relegated, but um, yeah. Apparently, they're looking into uh, stopping parachute payments as well. Good to stop clubs like Norwich from just bouncing yeah. up and down and yeah. obviously taking that payment every single year. Yeah, because it just gives them that immediate advantage when going back down to the mm, championship to yeah. either retain players or buy it's new ones or to cover the TV marks because you lose a lot of money when you get relegated you get relegated you get relegated yeah I guess would that not also uh, mean that championship promoted teams take far less risks with the players they buy and therefore give themselves less of a chance of actually staying in the com- in, in the Premier League because they, they, they can't risk spending that extra money on new players and wages mm. knowing that if they go down they're not going to get any compensation for it yeah pretty much <laughs> i hit the nail on the head right um it is time to talk then about uh the football league and the championship um yeah this is your time to shine exciting Pete. times um so we will start with the the winners of the uh, of the championship fulham uh, 106 goals scored Mitrovic scoring 400 of them. That's, That's half of them, yeah. yeah. They have um, six of them, didn't they, doesn't it? Uh, no, they may be on the beach with <laughs> six by the look of their yeah, form. They, they've been, they've been out in the piss for a while. So. <laughs> um, first question to you then. Um, is Fulham and Norwich the biggest rivalry in football? Because they don't no, seem they to want to play each other They don't anymore. play each other, do That's they? what I mean. They're, they're such rivals. They don't want to play each other. They just high-five each other as they go past each well, time. It sort of goes down to the parachute payments we're talking about. Yeah. So. Um, in all seriousness, though, obviously under new management, Marcus Silva, um, you know, they've they've been good at times. They've obviously scored a ton of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, the usual rhetoric has been coming out from the media, basically saying that they're in a better place this time to survive. Absolutely. Um, what, do you, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, so last season was... Uh, sorry, the season they got promoted was sort of what Bournemouth had done in a case of they've they brought in a load of loan players and they had uh, clauses in the contract where if they were to get promoted, they would stay in, in the team for the season, uh, which was a bit of a weird one. But this is all down to Scott Parker and he's sort of implemented it in Bournemouth as well, just to try and push for that promotion. promotion. Mm-hmm. Um and it just it backfired them. They were, they were championship quality players. They got relegated this time round. They've built a really solid spine of of players. They've got some huge names in there of championship quality. Uh, so they've definitely done better this season. But 
I mean, I, I, I look at the I look at the goals conceded, forty three for the champion. Okay, fine, they've scored one hundred and six goals in the league, but to concede forty three, I said this through halfway for the season when we were talking about all the FA Cups are, that they would really they they'd still struggle in in the Premier League next season. Are they going to be in Leeds? Are they going to be like six goals every game, score two, concede four, that sort of thing? I think. Well, I mean, we we talk about Mitrovic every season, don't we? He can't he can't seem to play in the Premier League. Obviously, he's he's not going to be the Harry Kane, or he's not going to get thirty goals in in the Premier League. But something needs to change up there. I think they will. They're going to be defensively woeful, and for me, they lack ambition as well. Like selling Carvalho mm. to Liverpool. Yeah, so I was right. So last week on the show, I said that I wonder if this Carvalho, Mm. I'm sure I'd heard something, and Pete listened to the show last week and confirmed to me that yes, there was an agreement in place. So they, Liverpool gave them, oh, I can't remember his name now, but they basically done a a swap, and it was basically like a gentleman's agreement where, okay, we'll give you a Carvalho in the January window, uh, but then the paperwork never went through in time, so they kept him, so Fulham got an absolute bargain there Mm. by keeping two decent players in the championship that season. But he'll be going off to, to Liverpool. Young, exciting player. Um, but again, this this is a question where they're selling him in while they're in the championship halfway through because the big teams come knocking and they're going to come into the Premier League season going, right, well, haven't really got much for him. Mm. Um, and need to replace him. Try, trying to get a, a young player like that it's hard. Mm. Just on the subject of Mitrovic, I mean, obviously he divides opinion with a lot of people as to whether he's good enough to play at the Premier League level. Obviously the first time, the time before last that Fulham were promoted, Mitrovic did have a good season. Uh-huh. Um, again, as to your point, he's not going to be scoring no, 30 goals a season, but in a promoted side, if you can get double figures, that usually gives you you know a good, a good chance of staying up. Um, obviously it didn't work out from last season, but then you could make an argument for saying that he didn't play a huge amount, Parker the, didn't the, utilise the him, the squad was poor. Oh, is Mitrovic potentially is he in a better squad that could potentially make more use of his abilities because he quite clearly knows where the on goal paper, is on paper yes they have a better squad he scored what 43 so he's broken the record which was yeah really... I got that stat long, wrong last week didn't I because I said that he hadn't broken the record but actually yeah, he, he had, had. yeah because he it was uh, oh, Pompey players that had it last time so we were a bit <laughs> unhappy with that but if you base it on penalties take away the penalties we're still top okay so <laughs> But who's um, counting, eh? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I think they they stand a better chance. Mitrovic. Well, I saw. I was listening to a thing where they was talking about like the teams that finish first and second. Obviously, they almost sort of dominate the championship. So players like Mitrovic are just getting chance after chance after chance. Whereas they come up to the Premier League, and a lot of these teams try to play the same way they played in the championship, like Norwich tried, mm-hmm. and. The strikers barely get any chances, which they're not used to. Yeah. Which is why the playoff team tends to do much better yeah. because they're used to that backs against the wall. Grinding out results, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is what Brentford have done yeah. this year. And obviously um Watford and, and Norwich are going straight back mm-hmm. down. But it's like with when Norwich they sold um <laughs> Emmy Buendia as well. So yeah. It's it's the same. You're selling probably one of your best players, let's say Buendia, probably was their their best player. Certainly from a creative point of view, yes, hundred yeah. percent. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. It does, it's always struck me as quite weird um, that a team would sell with one of their best players just after they've had that season. You know, uh, playing in the Premier League is surely the ambition for any team in that championship. 
And if you suddenly put put together a team that can get you there, the last thing you want to do is sell one of your best players before you even kick a ball in the Premier League. It just doesn't it just doesn't make sense for me at all. Um, so yeah, um, so in your in your opinion, then do you think that Fulham are likely to come back down again? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I I just think with a defensive record, they might score a lot of goals in the Championship. But like like I said last season, there's, there's a huge difference between the Championship and the Premier League. Mm. Um, I, no, I, 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 think, I think they jump back down, yeah. Okay. Uh, and the aforementioned then Scott Parker, he obviously made the switch to Bournemouth. He's implemented mm-hmm. a similar transfer style at Bournemouth. Um, you know, they've had, a, they've had a very good season themselves, only finished two points behind Fulham in the end. Um, what do you, what do you, how do you rate them and, and their chances next season? Uh, I thought the first half of the season for them was brilliant, <laughs> to be honest. You know, that's what they're expected to do. Scott Parker came in, he'd done the right job, and then the January transfer window came in again when we were speaking about it. It was actually deadline day, and they made, like, six absolute coups of a signing. Yeah. Um, they got Todd Cantwell, haven't they? Is it, yeah, they yeah, there? yeah, they got Cantwell as well. Uh, Kiefer Moore, mm-hmm. uh, Solanke, who has had a brilliant season, still got billing. You know, they, they've kept the majority of their squad this season now. And so I don't know. Brooks as well, haven't they? Uh, Brooks? Nathan Brooks, Brooks, Brooks. the guy that had cancer. The yeah, yeah, oh yeah, but yeah, but he's, oh, yeah, he's, he's cancer played. free now, isn't he? That was good news. Mm, I saw that the other yeah, day. He's, yeah, he's not played for months now because of that. But um, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the only issue with I, with Bournemouth was they'd done so well at the start of the season. The the transfers they brought in really unsettled the squad. Mm. You know, you've got a lot of big names coming in, and it was a little bit like, right, well, that squad was performing so well bringing in all these new names and rotating the team, you're going to need some squad depth, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, they've got the job done. Parker needed to get them promoted, and he did. Yeah. Um, and it was the the six-pointer, really, against Nottingham Forest, which pushed that, because it could have been completely different here. Yes. Um, had, had Nottingham Forest pushed them over the line of Bournemouth. Yeah, we, we were we were quite... Uh... I suppose we're a little bit disappointed in a way that because we, we we quite like the uh, the idea of Nottingham Forest being yeah, back absolutely. in the top flight again. Um, not that we've got anything against Bournemouth. I quite like Bournemouth. I know your feelings are probably different being a South Coast no, rival. No, no. Um, but uh, yeah, we we really we really felt like Nottingham Forest, especially the, given the season they've had. Um, and the, the is it Steve Cooper? Steve isn't Cooper, it? yeah, manager there. Um, the sort of turnaround they've had has been unbelievable. But uh, before we touch on them, just quickly with Bournemouth then. Um, I wonder is is Solanke another Mitrovic? Is it could he be another one another one of those players? Because he didn't really do a great deal at Liverpool. No. I know you appreciate the expectations and everything else are a lot higher at Liverpool. Is he good enough to play in the Premier League? Do you he's, think? Yeah, he's good enough to play in the Premier League. Yeah, but he's not going to be an exciting player in the Premier League. No. no. Um, I wonder if I mean I must admit I looked at the Bournemouth team sheet against uh, I think it was Forest actually when I was keeping an eye on the score and I just looked through the side and I thought I looked to myself I thought there's nobody in that team because there were still quite a few names I recognised mm-hmm. from the Premier League side yeah. um, so I just I just wonder whether they've got enough whether yeah. there'll be another one that's going to struggle next season to score, to score goals um, I, I don't think I don't think the squad is the problem I think and it's going to sound really controversial but I think Scott Parker is the problem there Right. I don't I would not want to be going into the Premier League season with Scott Parker as the manager explain it's everything you've done at Fulham you know bringing in a squad of low knees having no spine 
doesn't really have a another one of those managers doesn't really seem to have a second plan. Yeah, I think when a lot of people were, I, I had this conversation on Twitter around, and a load of people were disagreeing me, saying like he's a he's a tactical genius about what he done with that free kick with Kiefer Moore against Nottingham Forest. Yeah, like, well, it's on Sky. Okay, cool. So you, you've you've watched five minutes of a, of a game. Yeah, and that depends on a whole season. No, I. No, <laughs> I, I can't disagree more with it. I, Scott Parker, you know, with a parachute payment and a decent squad in the championship. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's right. like he's already inherited a good but squad, right? In, in the Premier League, no. So am I right in saying then that you think that they're likely to come straight back down again? You think Fulham and Bournemouth could I'd, hit the yeah, track door straight say, away? I'd say so. I mean, the, the competition in the Premier League, unless... I mean, I've, I've been begging that Southampton get relegated time after time, <laughs> but there's just it's just a difference in quality, squad depth, and a manager like Scott Parker. I hope I'm wrong because mm-hmm. I, I do want to see Bournemouth stay up. I mean, they've only been out of the Premier League for what two seasons? They stayed up for about what seven or seventeen? Mm, yeah, they had under so, Eddie Howe. They had a, quite a long, successful stint um, in that Premier League. But you know, I, I don't think Scott Parker's the the answer to to staying in the Premier League. No. Okay. Um, right, let's move on to the playoff teams then. Um, we'll start with Huddersfield. Um, obviously, not long since they were in the Premier League, only a couple of years ago they yeah. were in the Premier League. Um, having a strong season themselves. So, And then we've got Nottingham Forest, Sheffield United and Luton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a stat the other day when it compared the uh, the squad cost of all the teams in that playoff uh, or all the teams that are, the, that are you know in the playoffs and the automatics and... All of them were at least like 50, 60, 70, 80 million. I think Fulham and Bournemouth were over 100. 130. Luton Town, 1.5 million. This this is the squad value. Yeah. This is when they were bought. Okay. So, um, But even so, it does represent you know an amazing it's, it's achievement. Nathan, Nathan Jones has done. I mean, if Where do you want to start with them? Because I mean, I've got. Start, yeah, I mean, just t- tell us a little bit about obviously where that club's come from because I'll be honest, my kind of closed vision approach to championship. You know, they were non-league not that long ago. I was going to say, you know, they yeah. have come up from from nothing really in over the last however many years. Right. So, so uh, we're talking about Luton, I'll start with Luton. So they were they were they were playing top flight football. I don't think it was when the when the premiership was around. But, yeah. So they had a points deduction, one of the largest, probably the largest points deduction in EFL history. Um they went all the way down to as far as I was aware, League Two, but it could have actually been worse yeah, than that. Yeah. Um, they got automatic promotion uh, from League Two, went into League One, automatic promotion, so back to back. Yeah. And yeah, Nathan Jones was throughout all of that, I believe, and then he then went. So off he's taking them all through. Oh, through those two, okay. Yeah, and then he he left for Stoke, had a bit of a bad spell there, then went back to Luton because he's brother Graham Jones or whoever it is was, was holding Luton for them and I think what they've done with that squad that's just ridiculous like you, you, they're always going to be a team that are going to be hard to break down but to get a 1.5 million squad value you, you look at that on, on the stats and you go well how are they there that, mm. that's almost like you know Norris I suppose it's the equivalent of Huddersfield when they came up to the Premier League well yeah but it's it's more about the the players that he's gathered there. He's picking them off from lower league or getting the, these players on the cheap. Like some of these players he got for ten thousand pounds. Yeah. And the way, <laughs> like, oh, his name now, that Elise where and he's 
got him from League Two straight into a championship side and been one of the best players. Mm. Uh, Harry Cornick as well. And yeah, he knows what he's doing when it comes to recruiting. And it's much like Brentford as well. Sort of a team that don't have the biggest budget, but are up there. Yeah. And deservedly so. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, 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 the thought of Man City against Luton Town at Luton as a Premier League fixture is is quite amazing to me. There's I mean, also parts of the conversation where they might have to play their games elsewhere. I was about to say, does their does their ground present a problem to them? Because it's yeah. quite clearly not up to the scratch no. of what a Premier League game or Premier League mm. ground needs to be. So a lot a lot of people were saying about, well, this is just as bad as Bournemouth's. Not it's, sure it is. It's really not. I, <laughs> I, I've been through Luton Town's ground the, a couple the, the, of The turnstiles now. are literally like in houses. You've got they? to go through someone's house pretty much. <laughs> So we we went when I went there back in like what 2018. Um, that was when I went down with Portsmouth, and there was a family cooking a barbecue. We were walking over and they were cooking a barbecue right beneath us. <laughs> that brings the realism of non, yeah, the EFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But non league. No, I was going to say non non Premier League football. Was what I was yeah. going to say. But it's an old stadium. There were conversations about them going elsewhere. I think they they need to. Um, but you know they've not got the largest of funds. But, I mean, would they, I don't know the rules on this, but would this actually, let's say they won the playoffs, would this prevent them? Would they actually, would the Premier League team say, no, you're not coming up? I think there would be ground sharing somewhere, but I don't know where. I, mm. I've not researched that. I can't say yes or no. Okay. But, um, yeah, all right. Um, where yeah, are I mean, um, Barnsley from last? Where are Barnsley? Uh, you'll have to scroll they were right down there. to the bottom of the table. Yeah, but they were in the playoffs last season, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, because when we're talking about, there was one player in particular who had massive calves. <laughs> was he at Barnsley? Daryl DK. He's Darryl. now he's now at uh, West Brom. Right. So he, okay. he followed um, Larry Ishmael because he went to West Brom. I've seen it a couple of times where these teams get in the playoffs out of nowhere, and then the next season they're fighting relegation. Yeah. It's yeah, it is weird like the the, the sort of one season wonders almost you could mm. say and then they just dissipate the next season. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean I personally I'm rooting for Nottingham Forest in this playoff yeah, place. Like but Forest. part of me just for the pure underdog story would love to see Luton Town do it um, just to <coughs> just to see them in the Premier League even if it is only for a season almost like a Blackpool type situation. Yeah, yeah. Um anyway, let's move on. Sheffield United then in fifth place. Um Obviously, we spoke before the podcast started about the potential striker issues yeah. that they've got now with Billy Sharp. I mean, Billy Sharp is their only recognised striker, bearing in mind his advancing years. Isn't a really good platform for a potential Premier League push anyway, is it? No, it's not. What happened to Brewster? Is he still there? Ryan Brewster, he had a, he had a terrible time then, didn't he? So, well, yeah, obviously I, in the Premier League was awful. I don't know if, he was, I don't I just, know if he's still, still there. there. I've, not, I've not heard much of him, to be honest. Um. He's clearly not stood out to me. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's obviously not doing a great deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a as a general, you know, they've seventy five points, the same amount as Luton. Um, Slow start to the season for them. A lot like, you know, that that that, that the playoff mix there has changed so much. Uh, last time we spoke, what six months ago, we were talking about Middlesbrough, Blackburn Rovers, QPR, and. Coventry, Coventry, yeah, yeah. Coventry were up there, weren't they? Making the push. And I, I did say back then that like, my dark horses there would be Sheffield United just because of the way that they, they clicked around Christmas. Who's their manager now? Oh, uh, it must be. It's uh, not Higginbotham still, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It is still Higginbotham, yeah. okay. I was um, about to say Huddleston. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Higginbotham's there. So, in. Uh, so, yeah, with, with Billy Sharp, so we read that article before about his having these sugar injections. 
Um, yeah, sugar injections. That's to, to try and get ready for the playoffs. But other than that, they don't have a recognised striker. They've got uh, Morgan Gibbs White being used as a striker. Is he? He was Wolves, wasn't he? Was he Wolves? I think so. Yeah. Or Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah. Um, so you've got him again. He's a attacking midfield being used as a striker, and one of the other players off the top of my head, I can't remember who it is. Um, but you know they they've been doing well. They they stuffed Fulham four <laughs> 0 Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, but I think that was more just a, a case that. Fulham had already done it. Yeah. Fulham like, yeah, cool. But it, it wasn't there, the weak team or anything like that. Uh, Sheffield United wanted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've come into the playoffs in a fairly good form. Fairly mm-hmm. good form. Yeah, three three wins in their last three. Um, so they're in, they're in a good spot. Um, and obviously, as we said, our personal favourites to see them coming out the Nottingham Forest now. Mm-hmm. Just, just remind or just talk to the to the listeners about the sort of season they've had and how things started and where they are now. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. So the first nine games they had uh, they only won one um, Steve Cooper came in and I would put them if if, if I wasn't to say they were the best team in the league I would say they're, they're the second best team in the league mm. um, the only thing recently that's let them down is uh, probably just the mentality of we're so close to the Premier League uh, the, the players have been putting in 100% much like what Barnsley <coughs> done last season it sort of reflects it not, not the style of play by any means because yeah. The players that Nottingham Forest got in that squad, all the way from from Samba in, in in the goal, up to like, how many players do you start with there? They've got uh, fella the youngster from Man United, um, Garner. That's it. Mm. You've got Garner there. You've got Brennan Johnson, which is he should not be playing Championship football. So many quality players in that side they so play, do they you play fear good. for Forest that if they don't go up that they might get stripped of a few of these absolutely yeah I mean a lot of them are, are, are loanees as well so uh, you've got a bit of a weird one with um, the fellow we were talking about the other day they're right back I remember, I remember you mentioned him but honestly I can't remember what, name, what the name is it's gone blank but you know, he was on loan from um, Middlesbrough <laughs> Which was a bit weird to have another one of those supporting your rivals. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, he's been brilliant there. They they've got a really good so squad playing like a, a three five two. They're direct. They can pass it from the back. They sort of replicate Sheffield United in a way. So the the match between them two going into the playoffs is going to be really mm. really tasty. Um, okay, and then finally Huddersfield, Huddersfield Warwick. Town. Sorry. Warwick. No, they're not a war. Liar. No. Panzo, Lolly. <laughs> He's going to bring off everyone. Yeah. Uh, so that's who they had playing right back in there. Oh, okay. Who uh, did you find where Brewster was? Yeah, he's still at um, Sheffield. 14 appearances, three goals. Mm. Oh, okay. So, yeah, really not done a great deal then. Um, so, yeah, finally then, Huddersfield Town. Um, probably the form side of the of the teams in the playoff. Two Two losses in 26. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty special. But Huddersfield, the team that went completely under the radar, even to me as well, they were one of the favourites to get relegated. So this is again like a sort of a Barnsley situation. Yeah, um, they've not really got on on paper. They've not really got a great squad. Um, how they're up there, <laughs> I have no idea. Have they got any of the boys but, still from the Premier League days? Anyone that me and Dan would recognise? I don't think so. Just making us sound very uh, elitist by saying that, but, but I mean they've been there for what three seasons now. So. About that, yeah. Um, Ince, yeah. So they've they've got Paul Ince as manager. 
Paul Reading no, manager. No, no, Reading, sorry. Um, is Tom Ince? No, no, Tom. So Tom Ince is on loan at Reading. That's, oh, is he? Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they've gone really under the radar this season. I'm not really sure how they're there, but they're playing good football. Mm-hmm. Um, putting them head to head against Luton is. I, mean, I don't think they've actually lost any of them teams up there. And head to head, they only played Luton a couple of weeks ago. Beat them two 0 Right. So. Uh, okay. So then, if we then break this down into the into the playoff games, how they're going to uh, pan out? So Huddersfield will obviously play Luton third against sixth. Mm-hmm. Um, who's your pick? Uh, those two. Huddersfield. Uh, as much as I want Luton to be in in the final, I just think head to head. Huddersfield just don't compliment Luton at all. <laughs> um, so yeah, Huddersfield for that. I'd, I'd love Luton to be there, but realistically speaking, you know Huddersfield two losses and. In 26, yeah. just the, the quality of the football they're playing at the moment. All right, uh, Nottingham Forest against Sheffield United, the 4th fifth. Oh, I can't call that. I, mm. I really can't call it. They, they have the same style of play, same formation. Nottingham Forest have the better players, only by a knife edge. But it's, it's going to be a really tight game. I'd like to see Nottingham Forest go through. Okay. Um, so... That's kind of screwed up my next question because I was then going to pick out the winner of that game to against Huddersfield in the final. So if we were to say Huddersfield in the final, yep. do you see them beating either Nottingham Forest or Sheffield United, depending on who wins that? Yes. So your pick is Huddersfield for coming up. Uh, realistic. So this this is again as same as last season. Huddersfield would be because they're not even the favourites to. I think they're only like three to one or something on the. Again, don't take my betting odds. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, there's been a goal in the Sheffield Wednesday scores. They've leveled, they've leveled things up in the. Uh... You don't want them. No, I want Sunderland. Though. Really? Yeah, I just want them out of the league. I'm sick of going up to Stoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sun, yeah, Sunderland, uh, Huddersfield Town would be my top pick to go up. Um, <coughs> who I want to go up? Nottingham Forest, Luton Town. I'd love to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... I guess, for, yeah, for nostalgia-wise, I'd love to see Nottingham Forest in the league just because they have got such such a, a star-studded history in the, in the top five. I know they haven't been in the top five for a long, long time now, yeah. um, but it would be would be great to see that. They're one of those names, a little bit like Leeds, you know, you'd, you'd, I wouldn't wish success or, or no success to these other clubs, no, no, teams like Sheffield and Luton and stuff like that, but every now and then when you've got one of those historic names that's about to come back up, you're, like, you're quite pleased to see that name yeah. come back up. I, I think... If, if you're going to base it off the same way as, as last time as well, if you were to ask me what club out of them players would stay up, Nottingham Forest. Yeah. I just think they had a brilliant recruitment policy. So, um, and they've they got not many loans then, they're all permanent. They've got a couple pictures. of loans there, but I just think with being a Midlands club, yeah, uh, with the name in Nottingham Forest, with a, a manager like Steve Cooper, again, we're talking hypothetically. Yeah, of course. You know, hindsight, but I just think out of any of those clubs, Huddersfield Town... Do you want to come play for Huddersfield? It doesn't sound as good. <laughs> Do you want to come play for the, the the two-time European champions living God knows how many years in the past sort of thing? But. And, and also there's an argument for saying that, you know, you can go on a run like Huddersfield and win and they lose two of 26. It doesn't necessarily yeah. mean you're an amazing team. It just means you're on a ridiculous run. Yeah. Actually, if you look a bit deeper and peel beneath the cracks a little bit, sometimes you can actually see more yeah. signs of, as you say, a better all-round setup at a club. Yeah that stands a better chance of yeah. succeeding I mean, in the Premier League. Nottingham Forest had been in good form as well. It was like one one loss in 13 around that. And, but, you know, they've lost one game to Bournemouth, which was a really tight game, settled by one set piece. And then they rested a load of players against Hull when they drew one all in the last minute. Right. So, 
you, you can't really look at the form there come like the from like forty games on yeah, yeah, in yeah. the championship because there are going to be tactics and players rested. You know, they they've been confirmed as uh, playoff for over a month now. So um, yeah, okay. it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to the Nottingham Forest and so United. For those interested listening, when do the these these championship playoffs start? Uh, so I believe they start on Friday. I think it's Huddersfield Luton first, and then Nottingham Forest playing Sheffield on the Saturday, or it could be the other way around. But it's, it starts on Friday. Yeah, I must admit, even though you know as as bad as it is, I don't pay a huge amount of attention to the championship throughout the season. I do always make a point to try and at least watch the playoff final because it's usually such a massive occasion. Yeah. If I can, I'll try and watch these um, these semi-finals as well. Um, and it's, it's 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 good to see some of these young players coming through the champions as well. Because you you see a lot of the young players that are playing in the Premier League now are playing for these top flight teams in the Championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's been a number of players. I mean, Jared Bowen as yeah, as a West Ham fan Bowen, is, yeah. is the obvious pick for me. Ivan Tony mm-hmm. from last season. Yeah, Ben Rama again ben at West Rama, Ham. Yeah. I know he's not really done um, a huge amount for us. Mason but... Mount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plenty, plenty of players. Yeah. So right, okay. Well, we appreciate you as always, Pete, uh, taking the time to come in and talk to us about the championship stuff. Um, I think from memory, last season you got virtually every pick right. Last season, so the only thing I said that uh, because I, I reviewed it, <laughs> you did. You went back and listened to it. <laughs> I love that. The only, the only thing I got wrong is I said that Norwich would stay up, but that was dependent on whether they kept Brendia. Uh, Brendia, but I don't really think that would have made a difference to be honest with you. So. No, I don't think so. Right, okay. Um, excellent. Right, we are going to move on then and start to round out the show and we'll start with Dan Stat. Dan the Stat, man! Um, Jared Bowen has become the first player to notch 10-plus goals and 10-plus assists in a single Premier League season for the club since who? Uh, I'll go through some of the obvious ones. Dimitri Payet? Nope. Arnautovic? Nope. Just a hint, I got this right. Yeah, Pete can tell you the answer. Oh, really? You got it right? Straight away. Straight away. Legend. Carlton Cole? Nope. (laughs) He is a legend, don't give me that. Uh, Yossi Benayou? Nope. Carlos Tevez? Nope. Um, Decanio? There you go. Ah, okay. I was thinking, uh, obviously, a little bit too... uh, too recent for that so yeah I did a stadium tour at West Ham at the weekend that was quite interesting it was the, sta- the London stadium is a little bit bland behind the scenes I will say that <laughs> the, the change rooms were not as big as I was expecting to be half, half the stadiums on like scaffolding or yeah, we won't we we talk about that but yes no you're absolutely right it is there is literally the Premier League Gillingham <laughs> <laughs> there is literally because so we went out onto the the, the, um, the steps at the top of one of the hospitality suites and you literally look over and there is probably a good mm. six feet maybe even ten feet of like tarpaulin cover and underneath it is just the floor oh, God. because that's the gap between the scaffolding bit but rumour is apparently UK Athletics are trying to pull out of the London Stadium which would give ownership complete and utter control ownership to West Ham so it. hopefully that will mean and I suspect the West Ham owners knew that would have come at some point bring them about 20 feet closer to the yeah the exactly well. so but it would mean probably quite a sizable redesign of parts of that stadium, so that won't happen overnight, but fingers crossed. Anyway, um, we will now round out the show then with France Quiz. Welcome back to Football with Fran. Uh, yeah, the score is 8-6 to Chris at this moment in time. 
And funny enough, how you start the podcast, we are back at the Emirates Stadium. Are we? We're in the gone see Arsenal for a, for a little trip. So, Chris, you I think it's me first this week, yeah. No surprise. How far is it to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur. Yes, you know that little team. <laughs> <laughs> It's a short commute, let me put it that way. Okay. I've gone eight miles. I've gone seven. You, four. Oh, it's really that short? Bloody hell, okay. Uh, Sorry, we, 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 if it's Pete playing? No, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm so okay. Sorry. I'm enjoying it. Sorry. Um, the next one, I know you, I'm, it's getting tricky to find places, so let's roll <laughs> with this one. It's in Scotland. I will help you out with that. <laughs> But I've gone for kind of tried to go for like a sport theme, uh, the Royal Commonwealth Pool. Where they do all I mean, the, we are the definitely scraping the barrel here, aren't we? Scotland. <laughs> Some of them are quite good. Some of them not so hot. All right, well, well, I'm gonna go for a nice random round number. Mm-hmm. Three hundred and seventy-five. I've gone three hundred and forty-five. It's three hundred and seventy-three. Wow, <laughs> some of that. Is it, is it in Glasgow? Probably. I don't know. I'm to, I was trying to remember where the Commonwealth Games were. Could be. Yeah. Um, not sport this one, but I did the other one last week. So Oxford University. Um. Okay. Okay. I've got 95. Mm, I've gone 55. Yeah, down 58. Damn it. Ooh. It's lucky. My, my original number I had written that was 120, <laughs> so I'm quite glad I didn't go with that one. Uh, This is like, yeah, this is not great. Dartmoor National Park. I didn't know this one either. I'm getting confused as to where this is. Um, Okay, I think it's there. Yeah, Dartmoor, not Dartford. Dartmoor or Dartford. Okay. Right. I've gone with two hundred and twenty. I've gone one six five. What's in the middle? It's one nine five. What did you say? One six five. So you're thirty away. I said two twenty. I'm twenty five away. (laughs) Where is it? Is that your? Is Dartmoor? Is that? Is that Yorkshire? No, no, it's south. Oh right. I I was not playing this one. I was getting confused. What did I say? Somewhere completely opposite end of the country. Dartmoor. Yorkshire was a hundred. It's Devon. No, I said two twenty. Devon. Devon. Okay. One so, geography knowledge on point as usual. What are we now? Two all. Two all. Um, a close one. Headingley Cricket Ground. Ooh. Headley. <laughs> Imagine. Headingley. Oh, That's I quite famous. I should know where that is. Yeah, I should know where that is. I'm not a fan of cricket. Um, right, well, we do not discriminate I, against mm. others here at sport. <laughs> uh, where is it? Fuck. I think I'm going to get this wrong. Did you just tell him where it was? I said north-ish. Oh, okay. Okay. Look at his little face. I feel sorry for him. <laughs> I will go with 155. 
I've gone 250. <laughs> it's Chris. It's yeah. 191. It's Leeds. Leeds. We've got more. I thought it was Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, old Trafford cricket ground, dickhead. Yeah, okay. It's Yorkshire cricket ground. How far is it to the Shard? Ooh. <coughs> uh, Again, very small commute. <laughs> Did you forget where the Shard was? Well, I know it's in London. I couldn't have told you how close it was to the Emirates. Um... I will go with my first guess, which was eight. I've gone two. Four. Oh. <laughs> Three all. And again, it comes down to the last one every week. So Scenes. the last one <coughs> is Aintree Racecourse. Okay. I at least know where it is. Um, Why are we here that you don't know where that is? Yes, I've heard of it. It's where the Grand National is. Oh, I mean, I still don't know where it is. <laughs> Does that help? Say, I'm still worried here that you're not. Um, think like. Think who could win the Premier League? Mm. United. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if you weren't with United, you wouldn't be that far off. This is true. Okay. Chris? I mean, it's all very well, I know where it is, but my mileage is often way off, so I've gone with. I've gone with 230. That's mm. not far. I've gone 235. Oh, shit, Chris. <laughs> what is that disappointment yeah. in your voice? Because it's 96 now, isn't it? It was 195. Oh, you best start thinking about um, forfeit. Forfeit. I'm not because <laughs> I've been in this position before, and every time I mention it, Dan gets claws like one or two back, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut until it's done and dusted. Oh, he got so cocky early on. I, I know, so. it's another reason why I'm not, because you keep bringing it back. <laughs> so anyway, it's another win for me. That makes it 9-6 then, so we're on the brink, but yes, I'm not saying a damn word. So I'm happy there. It's You've been got... close. Yeah, every, every week. the first like, four or so, I think you were beating me 5-0 every week, <laughs> and I was like, it's going to be a quick old quick. So, but yeah. Um, excellent. Right, well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Um, quick sort of update on what we're planning to do as the season draws to a close. Obviously, unlike um, last year when we had the... Uh, uh, the Euros to contend with. Um, this year, obviously, there was no major football in the summer other than the Nations League. So the plan is is to obviously carry on for a couple of weeks after the season finishes so that we can cover off not only the Champions League final, but also the first round of Nations League stuff that happens at the first start of June. And then we will probably break until... Uh, we get a bit nearer the start of the Premier League season, so we probably will have a good month or two off. Does it start early? It does yeah, start early so this yeah, year because yeah. of the World Cup in December. Um, so I think it's sort of first week of August rather than the second week. I think they're literally they're cramming in mm. them all in because there's a good three or four weeks where there's no football in Premier League over Christmas. Mm. So I think they're extending it at, at both ends, which is um, going to make life interesting. But it should mean that there's no bitching and whinging about England players not being fresh because they would only have played half a season by that point mm. rather than the full programme. So hopefully that works in our favour a little bit as well. Um, so yeah just to give you a heads up as to what the plan is um, but we appreciate everyone listening as always so thank you very much and we'll see you all next week bye, bye. bye.